Welcome to the ASSP Safety Standards and Tech Pubs podcast, your source for expert insights on industry consensus standards and ASSP technical publications. I'm your host, Scott Fowler. Not so long ago, vehicles that could apply the brakes to avoid a crash or park themselves may have seemed like the product of science fiction. As technology has advanced, it has introduced opportunities for automation in motor vehicles. While these advances have clear safety benefits, they also present new issues for drivers and safety professionals. Organizations need to know how to manage vehicles with automated features that are available now. They also need to think ahead to the more highly automated vehicles that will be available in the future. The ASSP Z15.3 Technical Report, Management Practices for the Safe Operation of Partially and Fully Automated Motor Vehicles, does two things. First, it offers best practices for effectively managing today's fleets, which include increasing numbers of vehicles with automated features to help companies keep workers safe on the road as the technology advances. Second, it helps organizations think ahead to what fully automated vehicles, true self-driving cars, will mean for their fleet safety management practices. Here to discuss those with me is Stephanie Pratt. Stephanie is director of the Center for Motor Vehicle Safety at the National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health, NIOSH, She is a member of the Z15.3 subcommittee, which wrote the technical report, and is also vice chair of the Z15.1 committee, the parent committee of the Z15.3 subcommittee. Stephanie, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, Thanks, Scott. I really appreciate that you invited me to join you, and I do hope that our conversation will help our audience understand what this rapidly evolving technology is going to mean to them and to their fleet operations. Okay, great. Let's get started. Now, to lay the groundwork for our conversation, I thought we could start with an overview of some of the automated features that you can find on vehicles today. In other words, when people hear the title of the report, which includes partially or fully automated motor vehicles, what do we mean by that? Yes, that is really important to try to address up front, Scott. Uh, To get the most out of the report, the readers need to understand how we're making the distinction between partial and full automation. So when we talk about vehicles with partially automated features, we are referring to vehicles that are now in the market with advanced driver assistance systems, or ADAS. ADAS can detect traffic hazards or potential collisions and warn the driver. Some types can do even more. They can then take momentary control of the vehicle's steering, braking, or acceleration to avoid a potential collision. One example would be adaptive cruise control, which adjusts the cruise speed if your vehicle gets too close to the vehicle in front of it. Another example would be lane-keeping assistance, which adjusts your vehicle's position if you start to drift from your lane. The main things to remember about ADAS are, first, that they can only control certain vehicle functions, steering, braking, or accelerating, and second, when they take action, it's a momentary response to a problem. A vehicle with ADAS features is never self-driving. The human driver is always responsible for monitoring what's going on on the road and always responsible for controlling the vehicle. So I'm sure, as your listeners will have already figured out, whether or not a vehicle is automated isn't a matter of yes or no. When we developed the Z15.3 report, we drew heavily from a standard from SAE, the Society of Automotive Engineers. Their J3016 standard defines six different levels of vehicle automation. Level zero means none at all, while levels one and two mean vehicles with partial automation or ADAS. 
Okay, great. Now, what can you tell us about full automation? What does that mean in the context of the Z15.3 report? And what will it do that partial automation or ADAS can't do? Well, when we use the term full automation in the report, we're referring to the automation levels 3 through 5 as SAE defines them. Levels 3 through 5 correspond to vehicles that can be fully controlled by an automated driving system, an ADS, some or all of the time. At level 3, full automation is available only in certain situations when it's safe to use it, like on a limited access highway where there would be fewer potential traffic conflicts. But safety experts and researchers are concerned about the safety of level three automation because it's going to require the driver to be able to quickly retake control of the vehicle when the traffic situation dictates that it's no longer safe to operate under the automated driving system. So even if it takes only a few seconds for the driver to react, a lot can happen in those few seconds. When we go to higher levels, of automation, this is going to take care of that problem. At level four, vehicles are going to be able to operate in fully automated mode most of the time. At level five, the human is just a passenger or doesn't necessarily have to be in the vehicle at all. So levels four or five will minimize or maybe eliminate the potential for collisions that could take place while the human driver is responding to that prompt to retake control of the vehicle. The main things to remember about full automation, in other words, when the automated driving system is in control, are first, that it can control all vehicle functions, and second, that this level of full control isn't necessarily in operation for the entire trip. But while that automated driving system is in control, the vehicle is indeed self-driving in the sense that the human driver isn't expected to monitor what's going on on the road. Now, the good news is that the six levels of automation, as they're designed by SAE, have been adopted by the U.S. Department of Transportation and by auto and technology manufacturers. The topic of vehicle automation is complicated, but at least the major players have agreed to speak the same language at at least the level of different uh, automation levels zero through six. Now, one issue that is more challenging is that not every manufacturer uses the same name for the uh, particular system, the same icon on the dash. So that, at that level, it is a challenge. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, with those factors in mind, what opportunities do these vehicles present in terms of improving fleet safety and what are some of those challenges that you mentioned that these vehicles present to drivers, safety professionals, fleet managers, and others involved in fleet management? Well, first of all, vehicles with ADAS and eventually vehicles with those higher levels of automation bring unprecedented opportunities to improve the safety of drivers and fleets. And I'll talk about present opportunities and, and future opportunities. Today's vehicles are the safest vehicles ever, and more and more of them have these life-saving technologies like automatic emergency braking as standard equipment. The immediate challenges that come with ADAS are making sure that the driver understands how the technology works and also ensuring that the technology is operating correctly and not tampered with or disabled. Now, future opportunities. Once highly automated vehicles are available, 
the safety benefit should be even greater. Depending on what the requirement of the job is, we might be able to take our drivers off the road altogether for all or part of the trip, eliminating or greatly reducing their exposure to the hazards of road traffic. Alternatively, workers who do need to be on the road can be more productive because they will eventually be able to safely read, make calls, or work on their computers. But we can see challenges in keeping fleet safety policies in line with advances in technology. One of those areas is maintenance. For example, you would need to be sure that you have procedures that maintain the automated driving system according to the manufacturer's specs and that software updates are done in a timely way and then documented. Another area would be collision review. If there is a collision, and there will be collisions, you'll want to be sure that your processes include collecting and analyzing data elements that are related to how the automated driving system performed. And post-collision procedures would have to include repairing and recalibrating the automated system if, if that is needed. With regard to the technical report itself, what guidance does it offer in terms of selecting vehicles, operating vehicles, and the other elements that come into play with partially and fully automated vehicles? Well, like all the consensus standards and technical reports that ASSP develops, we took great care not to refer to or to recommend particular vehicles or technologies. But we do point readers to other sources that will help them select the vehicles that perform best in crash tests or uh, sources that explain the operation of various ADAS features. One important consideration for developing policies is that everyone whose job touches vehicles with automated features has a stake in their safe operation. It's not just the fleet manager and drivers. It's service personnel, procurement, dispatchers, and more. Another important element of day-to-day -day operation is the timely reporting of any malfunctions related to ADAS and uh, having policies in place that apply consequences for tampering with or disabling the system. Finally, I can't stress enough that as with any workplace safety issue, the responsibility for safe operation of vehicles with automated features is shared between the employer and the driver. The res employer's responsible for making sure that vehicles are in safe operating condition and that the drivers are trained on and understand the capabilities of automated features on the vehicle they're about to drive, what those features can do, and importantly, what they cannot do. On the other hand, drivers are responsible for following all company policies that are related to the use of automated vehicles and to look for more information about how the technologies operate if they're not sure. That's a very good point. Now, let's take a few minutes to talk specifically about distracted driving. This is something that has become a major issue in transportation, and for good reason. How can fleet managers and safety professionals best approach the issue to help drivers avoid becoming distracted on the road, particularly when they're driving a personally or fully automated vehicle? That's an excellent question, and this demonstrates how important it is to add policies pertaining to automated vehicles to your existing program. Here's how we thought about this issue when we developed the Z15.3 report. We reasoned that for vehicles operating at automation levels 0 through 3, the strictest distracted driving policies should still apply. So what we did is we drew from what the existing Z15.1 standard says. 
that it's acceptable to use distracting devices or perform distracting tasks only when the vehicle is safely parked. You may have noticed uh, that we included level three with level zero through two here, and this is why. Although an automated driving system can control the vehicle some of the time, with level three automation, there's still the expectation that the human driver will be able to retake control if prompted. That will be a challenge under any circumstance, as I've already mentioned, and it will be impossible if the driver is distracted. Now, for automation levels four and five, we deliberately were less specific about what distracted driving policies should be. We weren't comfortable predicting what kinds of driving situation these highly automated vehicles might encounter. So the issue of distracted driving policies, once we get to level four and five, is a perfect example of a topic that uh, will undoubtedly get fleshed out in more detail when the time comes to revisit the content of the report. Now, as more and more automated vehicles become available in the coming years, what are steps that fleet managers and safety professionals can take to help prepare for that transition? Um, okay, I've already talked about several areas where policies to address vehicles with ADAS should be integrated now, like vehicle selection, maintenance, I've mentioned driver training, collision review, and we've talked about distracted driving. There are external developments that companies will definitely need to keep tabs on as automated technologies evolve. For example, it's possible that states may change licensing requirements for people who operate highly automated vehicles. Maybe some states will put in place a special endorsement, others may not. There may well be changes to a commercial driver's license requirements for truck and bus drivers based on increasing automation. And there is undoubtedly going to be debate on thorny issues like data and liability. For example, who owns the data collected by automated driving systems? Who should have access? Should there be standards for consistent data across all manufacturers? How do we determine liability in the event of a collision? Will it be the vehicle manufacturer, the technology, the driver, the employer, or some combination? We can't predict whether these liability issues will be headed off by regulations and standards at national level or whether the answers to these questions will ultimately be established through litigation and case law. Okay, great. Yeah, definitely some, uh, some good things to keep in mind. Uh, any final thoughts you'd like our listeners to know about Z15.3 and things that safety professionals and others need to think about to safely and effectively manage partially and fully automated vehicles? Well, one thing to understand is that the Z15 technical report is not a standalone. Instead, what it does is it supplements the Z15.1 standard, which remains the go-to fleet safety management standard for the nation. Another thing to remember is that vehicles that have advanced driver assistance systems are in our fleets now, and it's important for fleet safety managers to review their processes against a technical report to make sure they're responding correctly. And finally, I want to remind everyone that in spite of all the hype, full automation isn't here yet, and it isn't a magic bullet that will eliminate all crashes or crash-related injuries. Fleet safety management might look different. In fact, it will almost certainly look different when full automation becomes a reality, but it will be still a key element 
of safety management systems. Absolutely. Well, uh, thank you very much again for coming on, Stephanie. I know that this is a topic that will continue to get more attention in the safety community as more of these types of vehicles get on the road in the coming years. So thank you again. Thank you, Scott, for uh, giving me this opportunity, and I really appreciate the commitment of ASSP to helping businesses and safety professionals get ahead of this important workplace safety issue. I also want to acknowledge the National Safety Council, which chaired the Z15.3 subcommittee and gave us strong leadership throughout, and of course, the vital contributions of all the individuals on the subcommittee. Absolutely. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the ASSP Safety Standards and Tech Pubs podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also connect with us at ASSP.org and follow us on Twitter at ASSP Safety. We'll see you next time.